0: sup you beautiful bastards welcome back to the philip defranco show i got a fantastic tuesday show for you today but first one i just gotta thank all of y'all for just destroying my expectations and records with the june drop over beautifulbastard.com yesterday and two if you haven't moved on this drop and you're thinking about it get in on it while you can snag yourself some of the emotionally exhausted tie-dyes are you taking care of yourself tie-dye shirts and crew necks and or the surprise hit of this drop embrace change you got a few days left to snag yours over beautifulbastard.com. but Welcome back to the show, buckle up, hit that like button to help spread some common sense news coverage, and let's just jump into it. Yo, hey, y'all, the first thing that we need to talk about today is the situation with Justin Bieber. As many of you have likely already seen, he had to recently pause his tour because he was diagnosed with Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, which has left his face partially paralyzed. And Ramsey-Hunt, if you don't know, is a condition that's actually caused by the same virus that causes chickenpox and kids and shingles and adults, and can actually linger in your body even after recovery and eventually inflame the nerves in your face. And so despite lacking evidence indicating such, because of course, why would evidence even matter? Many Anti-vaxxers are now shouting from the rooftops that this has obviously happened because he was vaccinated against COVID. Claiming that people are in denial, that he's vaccine injured. With many of these same people pointing to Justin's wife, Haley Bieber, because she recently had a blood clot in her brain, so they're like, ah, that's the COVID vaccine. Even though for her part, Haley has been very transparent and vocal about the clot, saying it was a result of three things. Saying she recently started taking birth control pills, which she said she should not have been on, her being on back-to-back long flights and a recent COVID infection. Because studies have shown that COVID can increase your risk of blood clots even after you have recovered. But of course, or that matters when you're dealing with people that get to just say fake news and instead just rely on feelings, endless speculation, and uh, even finding fake news articles claiming that just suing Pfizer. And of course, this whole like blaming COVID stuff, like this has been happening with people like Betty White, Bob Sagan, anyone else, people claiming that vaccines actually caused their death. And actually jumping back to Justin Bieber and Ramsey Hunt, you have a number of medical professionals saying, and a doctor actually going to an outlet, saying if anything, it's actually more likely that his recent COVID infection caused this case of Ramsey Hunt, explaining any stress to the immune system can cause a reawakening of the virus during and in the nerves it can be covid it can be any viral infection but also with that understand we are not most certainly saying that covid definitely caused this we do not know but it is worth noting that it is far more likely that the actual virus itself could make this happen rather than the vaccine against the virus so yeah just some uh, information i thought that everyone should know since uh your relatives are most likely sharing this bullshit on facebook right now and then for your daily palate cleanser we have today in awesome at the center of this you have ryan trahan if you don't know is a massive creator and youtuber he's currently halfway through his journey of traveling across the country to deliver a penny to Mr. Beast, which sounds incredibly fucking random, and it is, but it's also for a great cause. so he started in Los Angeles, starting with only a penny, then trading up to buy some water bottles that he could sell, with him only being able to use the profits generated from what started with that penny to travel across the country. And in these daily videos, he's doing random things to try and make money, including, yes, selling the water, but also making quick cash by delivering food orders, people watching along the way. While this would likely be just interesting on its own, he's doing all this to help support Feeding America and has raised a ton of money, so far. YouTube's donation tab has him coming in at around $250,000, but the team feed page on Feeding America's website says that they have raised over $700,000 so far. We've seen some big names throwing big donations, including Dr. Mike, who donated $100,000 to Feeding America. You also had Mr. Beast himself donating $50,000, which notably, like, that's also part of the video series. If you donate over a certain amount of money, that can trigger what is referred to as the Great Reset. No matter how much money Ryan had been able to stash away, once that big reset comes in, he's back down to a penny. And so yeah, ultimately, I just gotta give props to Ryan, because not only is this an incredibly inventive idea but It's supporting a good cause. This is the definition of a win-win-win. And then, do y'all remember when Mr. Beast did the Squid Game video? Recreating challenges and sets from the hit series, having a $456,000 cash prize. And soon after, you had a number of people very angry, saying, hey, Mr. Beast missed the point of this show. Series is about how diseased we are as a society that people would feel like they need to do this just to survive. But of course, the main difference is Mr. Beast wasn't merkin' motherfuckers. I think that's the technical term. But ultimately, that criticism was generally disregarded, and that video got over a quarter of a. A billion views and now it seems that netflix was like that's a fucking lot of people let's just do that too with it being announced today that squid game the reality series is coming to netflix 456 people going to play in a real life competition a 4.56 million dollar cash prize and my personal opinion is i think that netflix is wrong to do this without me. Hear me out. This seems fun enough that I would actually be a part of a reality series. Without it being because my wife forced me to be on a reality series because she wanted to be on a reality series. Side note, thank you to the people over at Amazing Race for not choosing me. Oh my God. The camera in front of me running on no sleep and frustrating situations, nobody would like me. And then in breaking news, the people that never learned learned nothing. With reports now coming out that there are democratic groups buying ads, promoting extreme pro-Trump candidates for the Republican primaries. And doing so to set up what they think are more favorable matchups for themselves in November because that fucking worked in 2016. Well, if we make the election between me and a bomb No one's gonna vote for the bomb They said because they don't fucking know how to look back and that's what happened before a shocking percentage of the country was like Yeah, we don't need to be a democracy. I guess the main point my question is why are y'all so bad at this? But from that I want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's show Squarespace Squarespace has been a great partner for years now And they're better than ever if you're getting your business off the ground or creating a place to share homemade goods new favorite Hobby current obsession or even even a personal blog to get those thoughts out of your head. No matter what you're doing, Squarespace is there to help. Creating a beautiful website with Squarespace's all own platform has never been so simple. It's extremely intuitive and easy to use. You get to just focus on the stuff you wanna focus on. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. You're not having to deal with that BS. And with their mobile-optimized websites, no matter how people are viewing your site, it's gonna look great. Plus, with Squarespace, you get access to so much more, like their marketing tools, analytics, their award-winning customer care team via email or live chat 24-7. So go see why so many others swear by Squarespace. See why it is gonna be perfect for you and start your free trial today over at squarespace.com/fill when you realize you love it make sure you enter an offer code fill to get 10% off your first purchase and then let's talk about guns in the news because while nationally speaking it feels like a lot of conversation is about tightening gun restrictions some places like Ohio are taking a different approach instead loosening restrictions with Republican governor Mike DeWine signing a bill into law yesterday that makes it dramatically easier for teachers to arm themselves in the classroom right, so the teachers in the state could already carry firearms but they needed 700 hours of training as a peace officer and the permission of their school board now come this fall Thanks to Dewine signing this into law, staff will only need 24 hours of training to carry a gun, plus the same approval from the board. With four of those hours consisting of scenario-based training, and a maximum of 20 more going towards first aid training, history of school shootings, and reunification education. With Dewine directing the Ohio School Safety Center to require the full 24 hours of initial training, plus eight hours each year for requalification. Now, to be clear, the law does not mandate that all school districts allow staff to carry guns. Instead, the districts can decide that themselves. And with that, you have some areas making the decision to not follow the governor's lead, like Cleveland mayor saying last week that the city won't be arming teachers the city of columbus also refusing to change its policy also i should mention in related news another state law also went into effect the same day letting adults over 21 conceal carry firearms without a permit training classes or background checks and so with all of this he saw one reporter challenging to whine on the new law for schools
1: governor if heaven forbid there's an incident that takes place in a school where let's say a teacher who's now going to be armed goes ahead and shoots the wrong kid Would you take any accountability knowing you could have stopped this by not signing this bill? In life we make choices and we don't always know what the outcome is going to be. What this legislature has done, I've done by signing it, um, is giving schools an option based on their particular circumstances to make the best decision they can make with the best information they have. That's all any decision maker can do.
0: And while most Republicans supported the law for schools, we've also seen massive backlash from teachers, gun control advocates, and even some police unions who oppose the measure. With the Columbus police chief saying, I think it's a horrible idea to arm our teachers. There's a lot of training that's involved in that. You also have the likes of Democratic State Senator Teresa Federer speaking on this. I'm
1: a veteran classroom teacher of 18 years, been a legislator 22 years. I have never, Seen a bill so poorly written, hurdled through the process, and there are so many flaws in the bill. There's no minimum education standard, no psychological evaluation, no safe storage. They will have blood on their hands.
0: As well as seeing teacher after teacher speak out. It took me 12 years of grade school, four years of undergrad, and two years of graduate school, not to mention continued education and professional development for years to be able to teach in my classroom. I've now been doing that for over 20 years. But now, with only 24 hours of training in Ohio, I could be authorized to bring a lethal weapon into the classroom and expect it to take on an active shooter, and then what? Go back to teaching word problems? So for now, we're going to have to wait to see how this pans out. But notably, Ohio is not alone here. 28 states allow people other than security personnel to carry firearms and school grounds with laws in nine of those states explicitly mentioning school employees. But all of that said, with this, I do want to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts here? Do you think what we're seeing in Ohio, it's a smart move, it's a horrible move, somewhere in between? Any and all the thoughts you have on this, I'd love to hear from you. And then, we need to talk about these explosive January 6th hearings. Now today, I'm gonna be mainly focusing on the second hearing that happened yesterday, but of the first one, I have to say at least, there's been a question of will people pay attention to this, and if the first day was any indication, yes. According to Nielsen, at least 20 million people watched the first hearing, though, depending on how you compare it, that's like a big number or a small number. It's about double the viewership of day one of the impeachment trial for Donald Trump back in 2021, almost double the NBA finals right now, but also like a third of the viewership of the last presidential debate and or a Mr. Beast video. So, you know, it's relative. But with these hearings being hours long, I can't touch on everything. Right, for some background here, each of these hearings is centralized around different elements of the panel's overall case that Trump knowingly spread false election fraud claims, tried to use the systems of government to stay in power, and is ultimately responsible for the insurrection. With this, we saw the first hearing focus on how he used BS fraud claims to mobilize his supporters to launch what committee members described as an attempted coup. And there, in addition to playing footage from the attack and hearing testimony from officers present that day, the committee also outlined how Trump had specifically influenced far-right groups that led the attack, including the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers. But yesterday's hearing specifically focused on the argument that Trump knew that his claims were false and still kept spreading them anyway. So instead, I want to mention some key takeaways and highlights from what we learned yesterday, starting with Chairman Benny Thompson explaining in his opening statement the overarching theme for the day. We'll tell the story of how Donald Trump lost an election and knew he lost an election, and as a result of his loss decided to wage an attack on our democracy, an attack on the American people by trying to rob you of your voice in our democracy. And in doing so, lit the fuse that led to the horrific violence of January 6th when a mob of his supporters stormed the Capitol sent by Donald Trump to stop the transfer of power. And drawing from live witness testimonies and tape depositions, the committee showed that top officials and advisors close to the president repeatedly told him that the election fraud claims were false and that he had lost the race. But still, he declared victory on election night long before the votes were counted. Then, continuing his efforts to push the big lie and overturn his defeat, despite a growing number of people providing more and more evidence to the contrary. And while numerous top advisors and others painted this picture very well, many of the strongest moments of testimony came from former Attorney General Bill Barr. I
1: made it clear I did not agree with the- the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff which I told the president was bullshit. I told him that the stuff that his people were shuttling out to the public were, was bullshit. I mean that the claims of fraud were bullshit. I reiterated that they wasted a whole month on these claims on the Dominion voting machines and they were idiotic claims. I specifically raised the Dominion voting machines, which I found to be among the most uh, disturbing allegations, disturbing in the sense that I saw absolutely zero basis for the allegations. Also, I was influenced by the fact that all the early claims uh, that I understood on uh, were, were completely bogus and silly and usually based on complete misinformation. I was, demoralized because I thought boy if he really believes this stuff he has you know lost contact with uh, with uh, he, he's become detached from reality if he really believes this stuff on the other hand you know when I went into this and would you know tell him how crazy some of these allegations were there was never there was never an indication of interest and what the actual facts
0: were. And what Barr was talking about here was echoed by former Deputy Attorney General Richard Donahue, who listed a number of fraud claims in detail and said he too informed Trump that they had no merit. I tried to,
1: again, put this in perspective and to try to put it in very clear terms to the president. And I said something to the effect of, sir, we've done dozens of investigations, hundreds of interviews the major allegations are not supported by the evidence developed. We've looked at Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Nevada. We're doing our job. Much of the info you're getting is false.
0: Right, in addition to all the clips of the many people who said that there was no evidence of fraud, the panel also played footage of top officials saying they had advised Trump against declaring victory on election night. This including his literal campaign manager, Bill Stepien, and another top campaign aide, Jason Miller. With them saying they explained to him that the votes were still being counted, including many Democrat votes that would come in later because more Democrats voted by mail. But Trump ignored them and instead listened to a drunk Rudy Giuliani who told the president to just go ahead and declare victory despite having literally zero basis for doing so. With even Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, telling the panel that he had shared his reservations about Giuliani with the president. And actually, on the note of Giuliani, another major takeaway from yesterday was the committee's emphasis on the fact that there were two groups of people surrounding Trump. You had Team Normal and Rudy's team, with Team Normal being led by stepping in and composed to people who tried to dissuade Trump of his fraud claims. But Rudy's team was made up of Giuliani and others who encouraged Trump to spread the big lie like lawyer Sidney Powell. And as we know, as we look back, the president chose to listen to that team of people encouraging his paranoia and feeding him the lies that he wanted to hear. But then finally, the last major takeaway I want to talk about from yesterday's hearing was the fact that the panel to begin outlining a new possible crime fundraising fraud. In a video presentation that concluded the day, the committee illustrated how Trump and his allies used the big lie as a big ripoff by convincing Trump supporters to donate hundreds of millions of dollars to what they called his official election defense fund. But a senior investigator for the committee said that they had found that the fund, which supporters were told would be used for Trump's legal efforts to overturn the election literally never existed. Instead, most of the $250 million donated to the non-existent fund was just given to Trump's Save America PAC, with some of it also going to PACs run by Trump advisors and his own hotels, but very little actually being spent on legal battles so obviously a lot of major information has come out so far also who knows what's coming next? This is just the second hearing of multiple that the committee is set to hold over the next month. And so as far as what to expect from this third hearing, notably that was actually set to be held tomorrow, but the panel announced today that it was postponing it until an undisclosed time next week. And while the committee didn't provide reasoning for the move, sources have said that there was a scheduling conflict, though it is also possible they don't want to have to compete for news coverage because it's also been reported that the Supreme Court may hand down its ruling on Roe v. Wade this week. You know, just having to casually move your hearing about a former president trying to undo democracy because uh, you people might not care because women's rights are being taken away, which is a sentence that would have sounded crazy eight years ago. But for now, we're gonna have to wait to see. And Representative Liz Cheney has said that the days ahead will expand to Trump's broader efforts to plan for January 6th. This reportedly including Trump's plan to corrupt the DOJ as well as his efforts to pressure the vice president, state legislatures, state officials, and others to overturn the election. But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. My name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces, and I'll see you tomorrow.